I'm Alan Black. Welcome to Little Agonies, a tinier, slightly less agonising edition of our usual show, Brand Agony. In these bonus episodes, we'll talk about the minor ailments which can strike down the modern brand professional. Consider it a cooling ice pack rather than full elective surgery. Today, we're talking about how not to say things, or to put it another way, how to avoid a terrible tone of voice that's all wrong for your brand. To discuss this quandary, I'm joined by my black ad colleague and brand voice connoisseur, Chris Tapley. Hello, Chris. Hi, Alan. Right, so essentially, um, we're going to talk about um, voice today, but the real reason we're doing that is we've um, we've published this this new guide, um, which is all about tone of voice tripwires, and the guide is called the Terrible Tone of Voice Playbook. Essentially, it's a it's a how to manual of how not to do it. And we look at all sorts of uh, misguided brand tropes in there. Um, of course, it's meant to uh, deliver some chuckles. We, we hope it's, it does that. But we also put it together with the view of highlighting a lot of those bear traps uh, that brands can unwittingly step into. And um, we, we reckon that's quite a nice way of essentially guiding people through the rights and wrongs in a way that helps them decide if their brand voice is working or not working. So for, for us, the, 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 the whole manual is full of red flags, things to watch out for. Um, what should, in your view, Chris, um, be the kind of key things that brands should be keeping a beady eye out for in their own voice? Um, what should they be looking at for and thinking, hmm, is this a problem? I think there's a lot of different things. Probably the, the most common place where brand voice tends to go very wrong is when they, they head for one of the two polar extremes on the scale of formality. So I think traditionally there's this sense that, you know, business is serious. It must be very serious at all times. Mind your P's and Q's, Queen's English. Make it all sound a bit more complicated and serious than it really is. And lots of brands still hold on to this approach, which is when they kind of end up down the river in a boat full of jargon that, that no one understands. We can see why they end up there, because they want their business to be taken seriously. Perfectly reasonable thing. But we generally live in a less formal world than we did, say, 20, 30 years ago. And I think by dialing up the formality, you run the risk of alienating people who just want a, a clear message that's easy to understand, yeah. which is, is most of us, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you you say that you know you know formality you know helps us be taken more seriously. Of course, Chris, you are sitting in a position right now where you're wearing your uh, podcasting cravat and your full uh, your full uh, audio tweeds. So you know, I think you know you know just just be careful who you criticise here. I wear that at all times. That's yeah. just constant. There is this hurdle. Um, I think it's a good point. Um, and the, the the hurdle really is you know understanding and. For me, it's about, you know, making sure really simply that people get what it is you're trying to say. There, there is, of course, another side of that, which is the people using the voice, the people in the brand in the agencies also need to get it. We're going to maybe tackle that, I suspect, a little bit later on. So um, so if we think about, you know, formality, you know, being pushed to one end of the spectrum and being quite stiff and like we're talking about wearing our, you know, our tweets and, you know, being being very careful about um, our pronunciation. Um, what about the other end of the scale? Um, what does that look like? I guess the other end of the scale comes out a lot because the brands that people really remember and the ones that are quite often held up as examples of brand voice, tone of voice done really well, are tend to be quite casual, kind of me mm. in their tone of voice. 
And, you know, if you look this stuff up online, you always find the same natural fruit juices or caffeine heavy energy drinks are kind of held up as over and over again as the example of this is how it's done. So they get imitated a lot, but mm. that informal approach can be just completely wrong for for most brands probably really these are outliers rather than general examples mm. to follow i think unless you're making sort of wholesome fruity drinks or you're selling jewelry to the queen these you know extreme ends of formality don't really work and you can't just lift the style from another brand's voice Unless you buy the company from them, of course, then you know, you're entitled to it. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you need to find out what defines you as a brand and then find a tone of voice that brings you to the audience. Yeah, I think that for me feels like it's absolutely what it's all about. Um, otherwise, all you're doing is you just, you, it's a bit like, would you would you nick, you know, elements of like, I don't know, Apple maybe is a good example, some of the way that they visually style things. Would you, would you feel brazen enough to take some of that and bring that into your brand? You know, maybe, maybe if you're selling, you know, technology products, you might think that's relevant. But the the, the funny thing is, you hear people selling the most, you know, um, you know, unrelated to the the kind of source brand products, but trying to say, oh yeah, we're the the Tesla of this, or we're the kind of Uber of that, and you know, we should be taking some of those elements. Please don't do that. Um, start from that sort of uh, that sweet spot, which is kind of understanding what you are and trying to reflect that in the voice um and and that for me then comes into another idea which is um this one which is um th- there really is no one answer to this which is possibly not what our listeners want to hear but hopefully they, they understand why we're saying that um y- you need to figure out what's right for you you need to figure out what you stand for i suppose it's a bit even like think of it maybe as an analogy here being your own personal style um uh, it, it relates to that. I suppose also if you think about writers, if you think about novelists, you know, they've all got their own personal style that develop over time, uh, for better or for worse. Um, and th- I suppose that's why, you know, you wouldn't, you know, go online looking for a, you know, what tone of voice to use when I am writing my new uh, adventure novel. Um, you're not going to get that anywhere. You have to go and learn and figure out what you're all about and what you want your story to do. Brands are the same. You need to figure out what you're all around, uh, all about and what you want to take to market. Otherwise, if you go and take the the general stuff that's out there, you end up probably going down that, um, that kind of mole hole of, you know, the wacky kind of like um, over to the left edge, you know, um, too much, just almost like overbearing brand, which again, go back to that point, tends to be very informal. Um, what, what, what do you think about th- this casual stuff then? Um, what, what is it that kind of goes wrong with it? What's the kind of what, what's the kind of the underlying issue as opposed to the, what I can see why people gravitate to it, but what kind of makes it go wrong? I mean, I think you touched on a lot by there. It can be very overbearing, um, you know, it, and it's hard to get it right. So when it doesn't go well, it can just be quite annoying. Um, you know, we know that there's no unicorns in the juice. Um, that, that it can just be a, a bit grating um, if it's not judged perfectly. Um, and I think that speaks to a wider sort of issue is that every sort of transaction for the 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 buyer, I guess, has stakes. You know, for that for the customer, they're they're pretty low when it comes to buying a smoothie or an energy drink. You can sort of have a chuckle or something flippant that's written on the label. But, you know, that's less interesting if you're buying something serious, like 
life insurance mm. or, you know, uh, even just a fairly routine but more expensive purchase, like a nice bottle of wine or a new set of headphones that are a bit pricey, it usually doesn't sit right for that brand because it's not rooted in reality. And it's, it's important to stay true to, to the values and purpose of the brand, you know. Again, the insurance company example, you're, you're kind of in the business of giving people peace of mind, not making them laugh. Mm. Um, unless, um, of course, you work for Dead Happy, which is an interesting example. It's a new life insurance brand that's kind of all about the the, the death motifs and, and giggles, isn't it? Mm, yeah, um, and very much an outlier. Um, it, it determined, it would seem, if anyone's had a look at it, then uh, they'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't, go and look at Dead Happy online. Um, they they do absolutely, you know, cram down your um, throat to the idea that you're going to die. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> insurance is a good idea. Uh, at the same time, they're trying to make you feel good about this most depressing purchase that you'll ever make, unless I suppose you're, uh, you're also in the market for a funeral plan. You know, um, it, it's not great. Um, it, it, well, I say it's not great. It's not a great thought, but maybe the brand is successful. We don't know enough about how how successful it's been commercially. We don't really know what they're trying to do with the brand, but we can see what the outputs are, and they're very different from what everyone else does in the market. Um, it, it is though. I mean. Dead Happy is probably quite a good example because I said they've got this kind of skull kind of character that kind of sort of uh, stalks the website a little bit, almost like kind of papi mashy head. Um, but it is a bit more than just those kind of like polar ends of you know silly and not silly. Um, it's it, it probably comes down to something else, which is this idea we touched on earlier on, which is making the language accessible, making sure you can be understood. Um, and I, I would just put a side note in that, which is. You know, to make sure the audience can understand it, do you know what the brand people writing it need to understand it as well? There can't be anything in that definition that is that's hard to get your head around or a bit like, oh, I don't really know how that would work in the page. If you don't know how it's going to work in the page, well, you know, guess what's going to happen? It ain't going to work in the page. Um, it, it's something that I think particularly we see a lot of um, B2B, perhaps professional services companies guilty of them. They're, the audience-facing messages are absolutely overburdened with technical, you know, language, you know, acronyms, um, turns of phrase that to the, the, the normal human, even the normal human, and here's the worrying thing in their target audience, that, that you know, just, just is never going to get it. They, they're not, you know, the buyer isn't necessarily the technical expert. And that, to me, feels like a real worry, you know, when the tone of voice is defined from that point of view. Yeah, it's, it's a balancing act trying to get that right, isn't it? And that's, that's why you see it go wrong so often. It, it can be quite delicate because you need to make sure that you don't patronise your audience. Uh, and that's especially relevant to those sort of professional services firms. And it's something that uh, you hear a lot from those that have maybe a more technical offering. They'll say, mm. oh, our audience understand this stuff already. It's fine. Use the jargon that's... That's their language. And while that might be true for a lot of the, the audience, you then sort of cut off this, you put up a wall so that you can't really get any newcomers coming in uh, and you're potentially missing out on a lot of opportunities by doing that. So you kind of need to balance that by, you know, speaking to the existing audience without insulting them uh, and also, you know, opening up opportunities. Um, it's all about communicating the value that you're going to bring to the audience at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And I think this touches on something else, which is this this something um, that we took, we, we actually covered this in a, another episode where we talked about messaging matrix, um, as a, a, the messaging matrix as a, 
as a way to bring the right message to the right customer type at the right point of the buying journey. Um, message a messaging matrix can be actually a bit more than that, but that's that's my kind of simple definition of it. So you might have a very technical audience, and you might have you know what the audience that actually signs the check, if you like. Um, mm-hmm. Who's signing checks these days? But anyway, you get the idea. Um, who's the buyer, and who's maybe the the, the influencer? And, you know, who's the user of the product? Um, th- those can be all different people. Um, and th- that's quite, you know, common to business to business or professional services, say. So you kind of deal with that stuff over in the messaging matrix. But when you think about the core of the brand, um, you know, y- you need to you need to be very careful. This, this, this whole thing about it, you know, sounding a lot more complex than it really is. Um, that just happens so often in tone of voice guidelines. Um, and I don't know where you go from there. As a, as a team that's writing in that voice, I don't know how you implement that if you can't understand it fully. Um, I, I, I think at you know, one stage or another, all of us, uh, if working brand, have had to wade through that kind of 150-page you know, brand monster that you download in you know, 17 different zip files because they're all about 100 meg each and just thought, Oh my goodness! There's got to be a better way, you know. Please don't fill my nightmares with, you know, thoughts of sentence maps and torturously long, you know, multi-layered brand definitions and word clouds that don't help anyone do anything, you know. Um, it, it, for me, it, 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 at right at the edge, the very worst of them are just entirely unusable. And maybe it's a kind of a, there's a simplicity around about why they're unusable. And the simplicity of the thought for me is like, you can't remember it. If, if, if you have to like, if you have to start writing stuff on the back of your hand, you know, as your, or post-its need to go up around your, uh, your, your monitor every time you write for the brand to remind you of what to stay true to, then that doesn't feel great. It should be something that you can kind of um, have a fl- quick flip at and it all just sparks back to life and you can play with it. And it, it gives you that opportunity to explore the, the reaches of the brand. But it should be something you should be able to rattle off a couple of key components that really serve as a kind of North Star almost for the brand that that bring you back in. And for me, that's what where the failure happens. It's in the overcomplicating of it. Or, or perhaps uh, it's because they haven't truly been able to define it that they overcomplicate it. I think that, that, that for me is the is the issue. So, I mean, I've rambled a little bit there about what makes for bad guidelines. Um, what do good guidelines look like, Chris? Yeah, I think in your rambling, you've sort of, uh, you've gone down an interesting path that sort of hits on the, the key point. I think normally these bloated, unhelpful uh, guidelines are indicative of underlying issues. And mm-hmm. it is normally that they've not done that work early on to understand the core of the brand. Mm-hmm. So if you don't understand something, then you you can't make it simple so that mm. everyone else can understand it. And as, as you sort of suggested, the simplicity is really the key to making these things work. You know, avoid getting sucked into the, the word clouds and the, the vortex of sort of marketing speak and brand pyramids. Because I think for most people, as soon as they see that, they're just, they, they switch off. They, they don't understand that this is supposed to make their life easier. Because in that format, it's not, it's just a kind of time suck. Mm-hmm. So I think you want to keep it short, keep it to the point uh, with kind of practical examples that are specific to the brand, things that are rooted in their, their day-to-day work um, and make sure, as you say, that the, the points are easy to remember. So, you know, just, you know, if you can boil it down to three things, 
you can actually remember so you don't have to you know revisit that guideline document every time you want to do something in, in the brand tone of voice yeah there is a there is a real truth to that um it's a bit like that expression the best camera is the one that you have with you the best which you know it doesn't need to be a big fancy one, just whatever you got, you know, use that. Mm-hmm. Um, the best brand guidelines are the ones you can remember. The best brand voice is the one you can remember and you can actually use. Um, yeah. It goes back to another thought, which is, you know, if you've spent the time making it simpler, rather than just making it long and complicated um, in terms of the definition, you can then add in all those examples. Uh, which is great. The examples are super useful. Um, I'd much rather have, like, you know, if it was, a, say it was a 50-page document, I'd rather have, like, maybe 15 pages up front of, like, nice, simple explanation of what it is, and then, you know, 35-odd pages of exa- worked examples to show you how to bring that to life. That, to me, feels like a good way to spend your time rather than, uh, you know, like, get into the kind of uh, the, the crazy, you know, um, you know, workings of, you know, things that nobody cares about. Um, and then that, I suppose, bats into another idea, which is, authenticity every brand wants to be authentic um and and you know especially at this, this time of you know global pandemic and ep- economic crash authenticity and purpose are things that are, are really really vital to to brands and if they don't get that right then they're in a whole pickle um so it's that sense of you know reflecting the way you actually do things the idea of the what of your business should be matched by the how that you get across in your tone of voice. You, you should sound like you. And get, guess what? Here's radical one. You should sound like a human being. Um, you know, another point um, that comes up in these things is is grammar. Now, this is a real issue for me. So, Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to get too excited, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm bristling at the thought. But um, grammar is is a vast and for many people, you know, largely bewildering subject that they would prefer just never to think about um how should the tone of voice guide tackle grammar yeah i, I think you're right try try and sort of stay away from the vast forest um of, of grammar rules i think simple rules of thumbs are good but you do need to be careful um you probably want to dispel some common myths so you know we we tire of saying it but it is okay to start a sentence with and or but and uh, in fact it's often the best way to get your point across mm. but you know save the essays about passive voice and intransitive verbs it's just it's too much detail and i think you talked about examples if you focus on showing examples of queer writing related to the brand and for the most part it, you know these points of grammar will take care of themselves because the examples show how to do it rather than just explaining to people these overly complex rules that they they're never going to remember yeah, and the, the and the art, you know, what's a, what is a rule? Uh, there's another question. It's grammar really, you know, are the rules, you know, truly immutable? You know, mm-hmm. they, no, um, they're not. They're, they move. And the, the other thing that worries me about that is it feels very gener- generic and it feels like, going back to something you were talking about earlier on, Chris, which is this idea of like nicking someone else's style, um, you know, well, you know, it almost feels like that's a kind of cheap and easy way to get a tone of voice, you know, uh, guide published. Also, a good way to fill out a guide if you if you're if you're lazy is to put lots of grammar advice in. Mm-hmm. Doesn't help anybody, to be absolutely honest. Go and do a grammar tra- grammar training course with the team if you feel that's an issue. Um, I suppose what it comes down to is really is that clarity needs to be our master here. Clarity and simplicity are our twin masters. Um, and this kind of obfuscation, layering on of too much detail just to pad the thing out—that's the evil that we want to avoid. And 
that's a truth, hopefully, that you can see by flicking through the absolutely appalling ideas that we've compiled in our terrible tone of voice playbook. Um, as we mentioned before, it's entirely tongue-in-cheek, um, hopefully quite fun to read, but the idea is that by highlighting what can go wrong, it will give you, in the process, uh, an idea of how to get your brand voice right. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back soon using stronger language to cure another listener's brand acne. For more on brand language and to download the Terrible Tone of Voice playbook, visit blackad.co.uk. 